As copper prices fall to yet another new low again today and steel prices in China drop precipitously, it reminds us of two important factors. The first is that this deflationary wave that's building is not some future risk. It is happening right now. We don't just see it in commodity prices. We see it in a number of ways that tells us it's here. It's not a future thing. It's a present tense thing. The second thing is copper, Shanghai steel, a bunch of producer price indexes and other things around the world that are pointing toward deflation. It's around the world. This is not a U.S. banking price crisis or a U.S. problem. This is a globally synchronized deflationary recession that is happening as I speak at this moment. We can see it again in commodity prices. You can see it in producer prices. You can see it in some services prices, even on the consumer level. But most of all, we see it in financial curves, money curves, spot curves, cash curves, as well as forward rate curves. They're all inverted and have been for some time. And as they change shape in their inversion, it tells us something incredibly important about what the system is observing that we cannot observe directly. But what is inversion? What is it that specifically tells us to pay attention to these curve shapes? Well, let's, let's start by asking Jerome Powell, Federal Reserve Chairman, back in July of 2018. Remember July of 2018, the Fed was ultra hawkish like it is today. In fact, it's more so today than back then, but still. The Fed believed the low unemployment rate was going to boost inflation, and therefore it needed to raise the benchmark interest rates and maybe even think about getting more aggressive in doing so. The market completely disagreed. The U.S. Treasury yield curve began to flatten, and by July of 2018, it was within sight of, of, of inversion. The Eurodollar futures curve had already inverted just the month before. And wandering up to Capitol Hill to testify in front of the Senate, Powell was asked about the flattening yield curve, to which he said about inversion, the prospect for inversion, if you raise short-term rates higher than long-term rates, then maybe your policy is tighter than you think. Or it's tight anyway. I love how he threw that last part in. Maybe he did so accidentally, inadvertently, but that's the last part that we need to focus on because everybody focuses on the first part, that the Fed raises rates, that causes tight money somehow. I don't really know how nobody stops and thinks about it. And that leads us into a recession, therefore inversion. But he threw that last one in there, that maybe the monetary system is tight, not independent or regardless of monetary policies. That maybe, just maybe, the monetary system is telling you what's going on and it has nothing to do with the Fed. As, he, as Powell continued in a question from Senator Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania, he said, what really matters is what the neutral rate of interest is. And the neutral rate is often derived from the natural rate which we, go, which we know from Newt Wicksell all the way back in the early 1900s, a low natural rate, or R-star as economists call it, is consistent with a depression. We get everything wrong about interest rates, but what does that mean in terms of the yield curve? Why does the yield curve predict these issues? Recessions, deflationary recessions. As Benatti and Goodhart put it in a 2007 ECB paper, Yield curve inversion remains a stylized fact in search of a theory. But is that actually true? Is it, it's, we know it's a stylized fact because yield curve inversions are incredibly helpful. And I think yield curve shapes and changes are incredibly helpful, regardless of inversion and recession. 
So global recession as a fact right now, and what are the forward interest rates saying, not just in the United States, but out around the rest of the world? That's what we gotta get into today as copper and industrial metals sink even further in that direction. But first, I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, Eurodollar University has memberships available, where I'm going to now post a presentation I just did for members um, about the natural rate of interest, the interest rate fallacy, what interest rates are actually telling us and how you can tell what interest rates are actually telling us. Again, that's available as a presentation for Eurodollar University members. I also do research subscriptions, daily deep dive analysis, dive deep, diving deep into these topics, as well as a daily research briefing I do in partnership with MarketsInsiderPro.com. That's a bundle with Tracy Shukart and Stephen Van Meter. Check that out if you're interested. But all the information at Eurodollar dot university. So I think a good place to start investigating deflationary recessions as they pertain to forward interest rates, therefore forward interest rate yield curve inversions or money rated curve inversions, not necessarily yield curve inversions. Let's start with Benati and Goodhart. Their, their paper written back in August of 2007 for the ECB it was titled Investigating Time Variation and the Marginal Predictive Power of the Yield Spread, which I know you're already thinking, holy crap, what the hell are we talking about here? But bear with me. Essentially, these economists said, look, we know that yield curve inversions tell us something important about the economic conditions. They have enormous predictive power and have been repeatedly validated throughout history. But why? What is it going on in the yield curve that actually tells us something useful? Well, as Jay Powell was saying, maybe it's the Federal Reserve, maybe it's the ECB, maybe it's a central bank raising interest rates. But as Jay Powell also said in 2018, maybe it's not. Maybe there's something else going on that is independent of monetary policy. What Bernardi and Goodhart found was that, yes, there are two separate explanations. Here's, here's what they say in the paper. Currently, there are two main explanations why the nominal yield spread may contain information on future output growth, one dealing with the workings of monetary policy, the other with the interaction between intertemporal consumption smoothing. Yeah, I mean, just hold, bear with me. On the one hand, in the stochastic properties of inflation as determined by the underlying monetary regime, on the other. So basically, like Powell, monetary policy raise interest rates, they go above either the current level of nominal rates or they go above the neutral rate, maybe the natural rate. Therefore, the market or the, the market is telling you the policy has gotten to be too tight. It leads to what economists and central bankers call the policy error. But as we know from the 2018 experience, it would be difficult to have such a major policy error leading to a 2019 recession, which I believe was going to happen before the pandemic interrupted, the markets certainly believe that. If you're going to have a 2019 result from 2018, how could that have been a policy error when interest rates, the federal funds rate, the federal funds target range, never got all that high to begin with? That's why Powell threw in there that second part. That maybe there's something in the economy that isn't just about the Federal Reserve's interest rates or the ECB or whatever central bank benchmark interest rates. Maybe there are conditions in the monetary system itself. As he said, maybe the situation is already tight. These people know, they understand that money is more complicated. They have to sell you a narrative that it is very simple and that is very much under their control. And we can see time and again that it's not. And inversions are a very obvious and public way in which we can say, we can tell 
that there's more there's much more going on than just the Fed or the ECB raising interest rates. In fact, I won't go through the entire paper here, though a lot of it's interesting. But essentially, they find little evidence for either theory, especially the monetary policy theory. As they said, the monetary policy-based explanation appears incompatible with the fact that, for example, results for the United States during both the interwar and the post-World War II periods clearly point towards several periods during which the spread exhibited predictive power for output growth over and above that already encoded in the short rate. In particular, during both Volcker recession, yeah, not Volcker recession, and the 2000-2001 one, the dot-com recession, the spread clearly appears to have possessed additional information compared with that contained in the simplest measure of monetary policy stance. And we know it can't be Fed policy, especially in 2019, or really 2006 and 2007, because it wasn't a U.S. phenomenon. As I said in the introduction, globally synchronized. Monetary policies at various central banks, even though they tend to be or tend to pretend to be coordinated, they're certainly not globally synchronized. What is it that would be globally synchronized that could explain both the yield curve inversion, why it's inverted, as well as what that inversion actually means? And instead of trying to filter this through the idea of nominal versus real or inflation expectations as we might want to do, I mean, fish air and decomposition is something we do all the time, and there's a lot of useful information in that, but in more simple terms, especially over the last 15, 16, 17 years, maybe what's encoded in the yield curve inversion isn't necessarily nominal versus real, but money, deflation, liquidity. If the market is instead hedging because it fears the deflationary consequences, which means what? Deflationary consequences of a deflationary recession means there'll be high demand for safe and liquid instruments, which just so happen to be those instruments from which build into these yield curves. We're measuring the yield curve, which happens to also be the safest and liquid instruments, whether it be in the United States with US treasuries or Germany with German bonds, which we'll get into in a second. Either way, Maybe yield curve inversion, not about policy, but about hedging. That much is absolutely the case when you start thinking about inversions in other types of curves, such as once euro dollar futures, which no more, so three month SOFR futures in US dollars, but also three month Euriber futures in euros. Because guess what? Inversion in money rates isn't strictly a U.S. dollar phenomenon. So it's not a policy error about the, about the Federal Reserve's rate hikes. And it's not necessarily about inflation in the CPI in the U.S. versus Europe. Maybe there's massive demand for hedging, so much demand for hedging, it has upset all of these curves all around the world because it's globally synchronized deflation risk, which, again, we're seeing break out. I've talked a lot about the German curve because, again, it emphasizes this point that it's global deflation. It's not about Silicon Valley Bank. It's not about U.S. regional banks. The banking crisis in the United States is really nothing more than a symptom of this wider global deflationary phenomenon. And we see it in the inverted German curve, which is inverted in many ways way too similar to the U.S. Treasury curve. The German market isn't supposed to be so messed up. 
We see the messed up in treasuries all the time. We don't see it oftentimes in the German curve, which now we do. In fact, the German curve right now is even more bad steepened than we see the bad steepening in the United States. And we're really, like the U.S. Treasury curve and in Germany, what you see is going back to last September, the entire behavior of the marketplace changed. It seemed as if, whether it was inflation expectations, it certainly wasn't monetary policies because the ECB, like the Fed, kept hiking rates, but rates and yields in these markets, they changed precipitously. They changed, completely changed character. The same was also true in Eurodollar futures as well as forward Euribor rates. So Euribor isn't exactly the same as a three-month LIBOR, but it's close enough to be a comparable. And by the way, Euribor is not going to be, uh, is not going anywhere like LIBOR is. Euribor, they changed the methodology back in 2019, which basically complies with the mandates from most officials. So Euribor is probably going to stick around for quite some time, though. I do believe officials would like to get rid of that, too. It's just not they're not likely to do it. But what you see in the three-month forward Euribor curve is exactly the same thing. In fact, even more so than the German curve. Euribor futures, Euribor forwards, they really changed direction on September 27th. September 27th last year, you might remember for it for all the stuff that was going on in London and the gilt market, which, as I've said all along, was not about London and it was not about the gilt market. It was about this global banking phenomenon, the really the kickstart of this deflationary process, the aftermath, which we're now trying to deal with now, to deal with today. Again, that's what Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse were. They were symptoms of this deflationary shift which erupted last September. And you can see it in Euribor forwards because hedging, 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 hedging. Suddenly the system in Europe, as well as other places around the world, including interest rate swaps in US dollars, in last September, they decided, uh-oh, we need to start hedging and we need to do so regardless of what the ECB or the Fed is going to do. And so that's why you see a break in nominal rates as well as nominal prices in these forward and future markets, which suggest the market changed. The entire situation changed from maybe this is going to be a problem to holy crap, it's going to be a problem and we don't care what monetary policy is. As Benadity and Goodhart showed, it's never a policy error. Really the most compelling part of all of this is the consistency. The consistency across geography, the consistency about across what appear to be different currencies. And that's because it is, again, a global monetary system, whether it's in euros or dollars, euro dollars or euro euros, it's really the same monetary system. It's just different expressions of the same thing, which is bank balance sheet capacities and behaviors. That's what we're really dealing with here. That's what deflation actually is. That's what inflation would have been if that had ever actually happened. So as it sits right now, so the three-month three Euriber curves and some of the other tenors too, the forward rates have, as I said, really, they've been basically on a flat line ever since last September. Regardless, the ECB continues to hike Euro-denominated rates. And your, your, your Iber forwards are saying, we're just not buying it. And the curve right now, it's, rel it's 
heavily inverted. And it doesn't sound heavily inverted because we're used to three months SOFR or we're used to the US Treasury curve, but for Euro denominated futures and Euro denominated anything, this much inverted really is serious inversion. As it stands right now, the Euriber curve is peaking in September 23. The price there is 96.20. So the market is saying, unlike in three months uh, SOFR futures, in Euros, the ECB is likely to do another rate hike. Uh, but then September, you start to get the inversion. By the time we get to June 2024, it's 96.59, so about 40 basis points higher between September and June. Again, that doesn't sound like a whole lot compared to the curve that we've been, we've been dealing with in, your, in U.S. dollars, but that's a lot of inversion. Continuing gets another 40 basis points roughly to December 2024. And then by December or June of 2025, it's 97.10. So roughly speaking, about 90 basis points, almost 100 basis points top to bottom, which is enormous, enormous forward, forward interest rate inversion in euro denomination. So as I started out, we're seeing deflation in commodities. We're seeing deflation in the real economy in terms of goods prices. We're seeing all the signs and symptoms of it. And forward rate markets, for whatever their predictive power, if you believe Goodhart and Bonatti, or if you believe Jay Powell, which you should, the second part, something in the monetary system itself, which is telling us hedging the lessons of Bear Stearns, the ideas behind a deflationary recession, and it's not in just one place or another, in one market or one curve or another. It's in all of them. It's everywhere, globally synchronized, and it's happening as we speak. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge, huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers, MarketsInsiderPro.com research subscribers, and of course, Eurodollar University's members. Again, thank you all. And until next time, take care.